Pipes and Mitch. Hey everyone, sorry it's been a while, been on hiatus. Uh, on this week's episode, I speak to a gentleman from the UK. He's a filmmaker, he's a rugby league fan, and he's a great bloke. Um, I'm going to talk to him about his upcoming project, uh, his time in the entertainment industry and more. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode. Cheers. G'day everybody. Sorry for the long hiatus. It's been a bit over a month, but I've uh, had a bit of stuff on. Uh, without further ado, it's Mr. James Whetstone. How are you, sir? I'm great, mate. How are you? Good, hey, you're popping, my, um, you're popping my podcast cherry, by the way. This is my first one. Well, since it's your first time, I'll be nice and gentle, baby. <laughs> 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 All right. So for those of you who have just heard that amazing intro, I'm yet to record at a later point. Um, you might cast your minds back, oh gosh, probably about a year now. Uh, I spoke to one of the, the hosts of This Week in League podcast, the Twill Nation, Glenn Blakely, and I've had a few guests on since. And I've come across this gentleman through that rugby league community as well. And he, um, one of the reasons I thought it was good to get him on is that he's working on a, on a project. And um, it's, to me, like it just captured my imagination. I thought, this is going to be swell. So I thought we'll talk about that soon, James, if you want, and talk to you about about like your so your time as a filmmaker and your time in the entertainment industry and sort of go like a timeline if you like. But first, what I like to do with the guests is a bit of an ice-breaking tool. So I was just wondering, James, would you like to join me in having a bitchy with Mitchie this week? I'd love to have a bitchy with Mitchie. Oh, oh, stop it. <laughs> <laughs> so everyone knows how this works. Basically, it's um it's a good chance to have a good old whinge wine sook, get a Get something off your chest, something that's been bothering you. Uh, would you like to go first or would you like me to? Or... I'll, I'll go first. Okay. I'll go rushing right in there. Yeah. I'm not going to go smooth like a gentleman. I'm going straight in there. Straight in. Don't even buy dinner. Straight in, eh? <laughs> yeah, straight in. No messing. I might give you some change afterwards. Um, <laughs> now, the thing is, um, originally when you asked, do you want to bitch you with me? Yeah, that's fine. I thought, I don't have much to bitch about. And then I started to think about it. I started to become Dennis Reynolds from Always Sunny in as much as I thought everything bothers me. But I'm going to try and narrow it down. I spent the entire day just out of the blue, angry at everybody and everything for no reason. <laughs> oh, everything will go along fine until you, you, you broke the, my seal of what's bothering you, James. Oh, well, Mitch, let me tell you. Um, <laughs> Let's have it, baby. One, I think it all comes down to how easily humans are manipulated. You can just get a bunch of people riled up so easy, so quickly, just with a simple, well, I disagree with that, or with a simple, hey, did you find out what this person's done? Everyone just seems to lose their mind so quickly. And I just want to just, whoa there, just whoa, just take a second. We don't all have to jump on the bandwagon. We don't have to get us pitchforks out and round up on every little single thing that might upset us. Just, just, just take it steady. Just take it easy. Just think for a second before we start. Um, I mean, for it, uh, and that weird kind of hive mind of stupidity just seems to bleed into everyday life. And as much as the people that you're talking to, very, very rarely do you get a decent, interesting conversation. And as much as you'll get people around you've seen every now and again, or family come around, and it's the same mundane conversations over and over. And that kind of mundanity and that kind of hive mind it drives me insane, absolutely crazy. And um, I, that's why um, when people come around and it's small talk. There's very little of that I can stand. Small talk with strangers is fine because you can go off on various tangents and you find out about people. But if you already know them, small talk should be over with. You should elevate to medium talk 
or it should go off on some kind of crazy tangent. But no, it seems like you're you're um, imprisoned by mundanity. Now, I feel like I've gone off on my own little tangent there. You see, there's more than one thing that I feel like I need to have a bitch about. <laughs> and that's exactly what this is about. It's about having a good bitch, having a good, you know, getting whatever's ailing you out into the ethos for the world to hear so strangers can go, oh, okay, he makes a valid point. But, you know, you're exactly right, though. I mean, no matter where you are in the world, whether it is in the UK, whether it is in Australia or through you or wherever it might be, like people are creatures of habit. And in, in an age of consumerism where, you know, everything's available at your fingertips, you know, everyone wants everything now. Everyone feels entitled now. Well, not everyone, but, you know, I'm generalizing, of course, but that's how it seems to be, this lack of in, this lack of patience, this, you know, you can order food to your house through things like menu log and things like that. Like, I think that is one reason why everyone seems to be in a hurry all the time and that you talked about that mundane conversation, the same hive mind of boring, you know, it's it's the same. Like, you know, if you talk to someone through their social media, they might be putting photos up of them traveling the world and whatever else, but you ask how they're actually going, oh, yeah, not bad. It's, it's, it seems to be a consistent thing. So I, yeah. I agree with you 100%. Like, you know, it's, do you think even, even as we're going forward, people are starting to lack social skills because of their reliance on technology maybe i'm not sure one um, thing's for sure i do agree with you yeah i mean um i think people are obviously aware of being caught out in some way and especially uh online so it's either um they're either shy online which in some ways i am and but i've had to kind of force myself not to be in a way of promoting myself as a, as a creative or a filmmaker or it is it's this false vapid um Monday, like this, this is a picture of my dinner that I'm having. And you go, all right, okay, why am I seeing this? <laughs> why? <laughs> you know, I could just ignore it. I mean, that's that's basically what I'm preaching, yeah. essentially. So, you know, uh, to um, I do think we are losing that kind of conversation. I mean, um, listening to uh, podcasts seems to be one of the few places where you can get that kind of authenticity or, that, um, or, or genuine people. Like uh, This Week in League, the um it, and, uh, and and this podcast i mean i've been re-listening to a few um with uh obviously twill legends like uh sam um um mike stevenson uh the uh most humble comedian timmy mcintyre but those conversations what i kind of crave that yeah. seems to be a coming together of people rather than when you're actually meeting people all, all the, former all of, former guests on this show too yeah <laughs> <laughs> very nice guys all of them but yeah i agree yeah, a, bit out in the, a bit out of the uh the only way i get in contact with them because obviously i'm over on virus island at the moment is uh is the <laughs> facebook group or you know and um yeah i've noticed whenever we do uh comments now i've noticed um before in the golden days when it was glenn and uh, nip a few of us could get quite a few mentions especially if we were slagging off uh, west tigers or anything just mm-hmm. to get on the show just to get under glenn's skin uh, but now we've got a bit of a gatekeeper in uh, in Jay, who's brilliantly a funny guy. But it's almost like, it's, oh no, no, the the uh, the algorithms changed. We can't quite get in there now. <laughs> so yeah, uh, so I had to slightly alter my um, my tweets, slightly alter my uh, my Facebook uh, group comments just to try and get in there through the back door with Jay. Well, someone I'm sure had, he likes that. <laughs> someone had, someone had a run at Jay the other day, so maybe that's the way to go. But um, yeah, you're right. <laughs> And I was going to talk to you about like how you got in that group and being from the other side of the world and all that stuff and how you got into filmmaking. Um, mm. But I guess I have a real quick bitch is that 
you know, I've been off. I haven't done one of these in about six or seven weeks because things have been busy and I've, you know, I've just recently moved and people are aware and like I do a seven on seven off roster. And one of the things that sort of bitches that I sort of want to bitch about is that people are given a good opportunity, whether, whether it's at a, at a workplace or, you know, at, at a time in their life where people don't seemingly appreciate what they have. You know, it's like, I know a guy who's got a loving family. I know a guy who's got a great job. You know, everything seems, I know we don't see what happens behind closed doors, but it's these people that whinge and whinge and whinge all over, like over and over again, and they do nothing to help themselves. And it's like, well, it's kind of like the boy who cried wolf. Like you get sick of hearing it. Yeah. So it's like, well, you know, that's what, that's what gets under my, my skin. Like people that have a bitch, that's fine. Like in this context, no worries. But if it's a constant, Oh, I might do this or that. It's like, well, mate, I can't. You can't help yourself. There's nothing I can do for you. So that's my bitch is that people that don't tend to help themselves when they should. Yeah, do. I mean, you, you kind of left with, no, I completely agree with that. You kind of left with when they bring you their uh, problems and it's problems after problems. You get to the point where you go, yeah. So do you want a, a beer or, <laughs> you know, I've got nothing else to give. I've got nothing else to do unless we do something about it. I mean, um, uh, I know quite a few people have now whinged that much that their personality has become, well, I'm a complainer. Yeah, that's, that's um, okay. becomes my personality. And it's just such, there are mood hoovers. They just come in and suck all the fun out of the room. Oh, I've never heard that, a mood okay. hoover. That's great. Yeah, yeah. You, you'll know them as soon as they second, step in, they'll suck all the good mood out of the room. And <laughs> you, if you're aware of them, it's something you can do about it. I think it's each to their own how they deal with it. But um I think the first step of anything is awareness. Yeah. And they should educate themselves. <laughs> Mood Hoover. That's that's a new that I'm using that. <laughs> yeah, you can have it. That's what's on me as that much. That's brilliant. <laughs> so thanks for like having a good old whinge. Or well, you weren't actually that bad. Like I, I just think it's a good way to, to break the ice because you and I have never met. Um, no. I think we exchange a few comments here and there in the Tour Nation page, but essentially we're strangers. So I wanted to ask you. You know, so you're a filmmaker. You've you've got a list of many impressive bona fides here, and you're working on a new project. But I was just before we get to that, I just wanted to ask you, like, what was your what's your path been? How did you get involved in filmmaking, and what is the true genesis of your love of film? And how did you get it all? How did you all get it started? Well, started. Um, I loved writing when I was young. Loved writing. Uh, any kind of um, any kind of make believe. Any kind of um, I wanted to always be a storyteller first and foremost, or an imagineer. Now I always liked that term until I realised that's what they call people over at Disney. So I just thought, well, I can't steal that. So um, <laughs> fair enough. And uh, I did a little bit on stage, and um, how obviously, and I played um, our professional uh, league in the academy at Leeds. Uh, rhinos. Uh, so I, I had a, a bunch of things going on at once. I thought I'm going to either be a famous guitarist because I taught myself how to play guitar, or I'm going to be I'm going to be the captain of uh, Great Britain, and we're going to finally be Australia. That will that was one of my not dreams, but it were a goal. But I, I just went up to it physically as a kid. It turns out, but storytelling was always a constant for me. Um, even though I've been working full time as an electrician since I was uh, 16. Um, and then obviously life tends to get in the way, but um, I'd always have stories kind of um, boiling or ready to go or going to script writing, which really, really kind of focused that passion. Um, 
but for the longest time, um, it stared at just that. It just stared at just as a passion. I brought my kids. Or I found out about my, uh, I was going to be a dad on my 21st birthday. So I had to sharpen up real, real quick. Yeah, um, make sure I, a yeah, bit. working for myself a bit at the time. And then I, um, I managed to get myself a house and look after everybody. And uh, there were years of frustration, though, because I thought this isn't what I wanted to be doing. And uh, then I had a second kid, um, my beautiful daughter. And then it just felt like, okay, this is never going to happen unless I force it to happen. So sat down, got brand new screenwriting um, software and just that were it. The floodgates opened. I started off originally. The, the project I'm working on is literally one of the first things I've written just as to make my friends laugh, just to try out the new uh, screenplay software. And I sent it out and thought, this is, uh, this is fantastic. This is really funny. And I thought, oh, okay, okay. So I started working on a bunch of uh, my features, which are, are um, well, they're in development stages because I'm not going through normal channels to get these made, you see, um, because I'm um, living in Leeds, so I don't live in um, a place where there's, there aren't, well, there weren't many filmmakers or I don't know anybody. I was the person, one person who was going to be doing this. I was going to be the first through the door, first to uh, take all the bullets of um, all the mistakes I was going to make. And um, I started to send that little short script out into the world. Eventually I sent it over to uh, Sam Hayward uh, and um, he were giving me a few pointers and they said, this is, he, he fucking loved it. And I thought, oh, great. That's, that's praise for someone who was a professional in the industry. And he said, he'd love to work on this. So I thought, okay, right, well, this is what I'm going to do. Throughout my entire life, I've been building the pyramid from the ground up. Safety-wise, security, making sure I've got things covered and uh, making sure that I have um, a decent um, bedrock, essentially. But with this, I decided just to, right, I'm going in, building it the opposite way. I'm starting with the top, even though it's uneasy, it's not stable. The only thing that was stopping me was fear of failure, which I decided, well, fuck it. I'm just going to go and do ahead anyway. Got into it, sent the script out. More and more people um, got interested in it. So I thought, right, well, I'm just going ahead. I'm just going to start casting. And it went, the floodgates opened from there, essentially. So it became a thing, well... I've started this thing now. I have to do it, and um, I've been perfecting the script here and there. Um, I got involved in a real talented, award-winning production company. They read the script, wanted to get involved, and it's snowballed since there. To be fair, and now I'm just down to um, getting funding. That's all. That's all I need to do now. Everything's cast. Everything's all set and ready to go, and we're um, we're ready to get rolling in uh, September. Looks like I'm going to be paying for most of it myself. It looks like though, because um, Grants aren't reliable and they want a lot of control. Indiegogo is essentially online begging. <laughs> There's no two ways around that. That's what it is. And uh, it's, <laughs> it's hard to ask people for money for something um, like a project like this. I mean, you have to really get them to believe in it. So I'm going to have to work on my um, how to pitch it. I have to work on how to uh, sell it to people, as it were. But, yeah. um, but people are supportive. People are supportive, but I can't expect them to part with the hard earned unless I've got something for them to see. So it's a chicken and egg kind of situation at the moment. Now, fair enough. And uh, just for reference, um, the person he referenced there, Sam Hayward, is an award-winning sound designer, sound mixer, and he's worked on many projects like movies like Australia, Happy Feet, uh, countless Netflix shows. He's a daytime Emmy award winner. 
So he does know his stuff. He knows a thing or two about uh, film and television. And, um, you know, and he's also on an episode earlier. So if you want to hear from a, a sound award-winning engineer, sound mixer, go back and have a listen. So we'll talk about your project as well. And, you know, it sounds like you've got all the bases covered, which is great. And I'll be getting on board when I can. I'll uh, going to be trying to get my this little podcast here in the credits or something like that. So maybe that'll work. But um, yeah, so definitely. Got, we'll talk about the different <laughs> tiers you've got at the end, but different tiers of like paying and whatever. But so the project's called The Turk. Now, The Turk, it's a short indie film. Um, now, I can't give it justice. Like, can you explain to us, you know, the synopsis of the story, sort of what it's about, and, you know, uh, give us like a general, give us like a little taster, if you will. Yeah. The, um, the, the story centers around um, essentially two friends. It's, it opens with two friends after a, a night out. And um, these have been lifelong friends. They've been um, like Dante and Randall is uh, the closest, or uh, even, um, I mean, to quote another Kev Smith moment, I love Kev Smith. Um, He's one of the reasons why I started this. You talk, you spoke about storytelling, you know, yeah. and you're, you know, you're a storyteller. This is a storytelling podcast, so it works. And Kev Smith, also did his own thing. He went to New Jersey, or oh, he's from there, but he did his his first film, Clerks, and he maxed out for you know forty thousand dollars worth of credit cards because he believed in himself. I'm getting similar yeah. vibes from you. He's my podcasting idol. Um, sorry to cut you off there. Oh no, no, it's fine. I mean, um, uh, to quickly jump back before I forget, the uh, in, in Dogma, um, the character similar to uh, Battleby and Loki. Um, the Tom, who's the uh, lead character, he's the more um, he's the more grounded, stable character. He believes his life should be heading the way uh, other people think it should be heading. You know, he's, he's easily one who's got a job. He's got his own flat. Uh, he's just met a girl who's um, the first girl for a long for well, the first girl has ever. I think I described it as she makes his heart stop. Now the other character, Glenn. <laughs> Not to be confused with uh, Glenn Blakely. But I am be <laughs> Is he a local be... digger seller? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, he's a big, uh, big wheel down the uh, the old MI factory. <laughs> no, he's um, he's, he's the best way I can describe him is in his mind he's like Hunter S. Thompson, the you know the kind of uh, reclusive genius, but. In, um, in reality, other people see him as the drugged-up Hunter S. Thompson who's out of his mind and basically a reclusive wanker. Um, <laughs> that sounds like yeah, Glenny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but like it or not, you've got this friend for life and uh, you will have to introduce your girlfriend to him. That doesn't go quite well. He's a bit unhinged in as much as he has no filter. So they're, um, they're, they're, they're talking about the ne- that the next day and... Tom's having to make a decision or he's coming to where he's having to make a decision where he, is he going to have to, is he growing apart from his oldest friend? Is he going to be going with this new girl? And uh, Glenn's picking up on that and he don't like any of that at all. But the crux of the story is Tom is, he loves his car. Absolutely loves his car. It's his pride and joy. It's the only thing else and his friends and um, this new girl that, that means anything to him. I mean, it's a little obsessive. He, Tom's a little bit of a, um, a clean freak. Uh, so to speak, um, nothing touches his car. Someone reversed back into his car while they were out shopping and drove off. Uh, he recognised part of the registration, saw the colour of the car, 
and uh, he's been kind of lumped with the um, with the cost of repairing it. But this this aggression, this uh, act of um, what was violence on his car, and then them leaving, he just couldn't square away. He just couldn't go. Ah, oh, fuck it. No, he. Um, if I, if I ever get hold of him, if I ever ever get a chance to um, well to enact justice, then I'm going to take it. The car turns up at um, one of their friends' shops where he's a manager. So they go. They interrupt the conversation. The text comes through. We found it. You can't believe the car's actually here. Is this the car? And he goes, yeah, right. So they then rush out to head and go, um, and well, I think the best summed up in a log line, lifelong friend, Tom and Glenn, uh, take justice into their own hands. But after one eventful car ride, their life takes a turn for the worst. And they're um, following in a meeting with the Turk. That's without giving too much away because there's, there's, there's quite a lot that happens in the second half of that story. I mean, that's, it's a great thing to read. It's a great thing to watch. It's really hard to sell without giving too much away. So that's, as I'm going along, I'm inc- incrementally learning how to sell that bow. There's nothing I mean, wrong. There's nothing wrong with giving a pitch to your little mate, Mitch. How good. <laughs> no, it's, well, you could it, do it, a pitch with Mitch. You've got a great idea. you got, a, you know, something that. <laughs> a pitchy you, with Mitchy. Yeah. <laughs> So get this, get this, a pair of Crocs that you don't wear, you throw them in the bin. How good. Invest in a proper set of shoes. <laughs> yeah, that's, um, I like that's a pitch and that's also a bit of a lecture to help oh. people learn. And we'll call it a Croc of shit. How good. <laughs> this is the brain station. There's no stopping here. So like, okay, so it sounds like things are moving along swimmingly and, you know, it's it's a story that, I kind of, I'm curious to see because I love seeing all like all types of story. Everyone knows I'm a lover of storytelling and, you know, I, I, I this thing needs to be made. Um, who were some of the names? Because you've got some pretty notable actors playing parts and some notable people behind the scenes. So who are some of the people that you've gotten to work to on this project or, or we'll get to work to on this project going forward? Um, I've got two um, really talented actors coming up from London um, who... We, I mean, I auditioned hundreds, absolutely hundreds, especially for the two lead parts of Tom and Glenn. And um, this young actor, uh, Elliot Easton, he reached out and says, I'm going to do a reading with my friend, if that's okay. And I thought, no, that's fine. You know, if you do want to do a reading with somebody you know, that's great. Hit us with it. And as soon as I saw their audition, I thought, that's them. That's that's them. So he's uh, Matthew Kerr is going to be playing Tom. He kind of got into the back door just for auditioning with his friend. And Elliot Easton's going to be Glenn, and they're, um, I can't imagine anyone else playing it. And um, they're up and coming, they're going to be something, uh, even if it's not me who breaks them. You know, even if they get their big break after that, they're going to be something. I mean, the Turk is essentially going to be a pilot for a TV show that I'm doing. Oh, uh, so not only am I jumping to the deep end, I felt that people wanted to know what happens next after this. And I thought, well, I've got these ideas and these ideas. And I go, whoa, why not make that into a TV show? So um, I got um, one of the first people I auditioned was for um, the, the part of the girlfriend. She's called Leanne, uh, Leanne's dad. And he's uh, played Johnny Lovelock in uh, Peaky Blinders and um, a bunch of other uh, TV shows, which I'm sorry, I don't know off the top of my head, but um, he nailed it, absolutely nailed it. Um, and I've got, I'm actually going to be in it as well as the friend who owns the, um, who was the manager at the, uh, the, the, the supermarket, the shop. We, we, I'd auditioned a bunch of people for that, but it's partly based on my friend. 
And some of the story is partly based on this true story as well. Um, when people have been asking me which which part is based on a true story, because there's some dodgy shit that goes on. Like, I'm not going to tell you, you're going to have to work that out. <laughs> which part rings truest to you is probably what's uh, what really happened. But it's, um, it's partly based on my friend and because of the rapport I've got with the, the two lead actors, I thought, well, fuck it, I'll play it. I'll, uh, I'll silent Bob it in the back, even though I'm going to have to learn dialogue. I mean, yeah. I've acted on a little bit on stage before, and I know this. I mean, there's better actors than me. There's going to be better directors than me, better writers than me. But I know this material, so I figured well, I'm you, best suited to see it go forward. There's a, well, a lot of people I've spoken to are fellow creatives, and you know, the the one common thread is that they've all backed themselves. You look at people like your Kevin Smiths, who had essentially no right, in his own words, no right to be in the entertainment industry, but he backed himself, you know, and put his little film clerks up to a, and, and I won all the awards and it's been around, he's been in the entertainment industry for nearly 30 years because he backed in himself. And, you know, I admire those people who have the stones to go, you know what, this is what I believe in and I'm going to go all in, you know, like, it, and I know it sounds lame, cliche or sad, but the, the they say that the, the wealthiest place or the richest place on the planet, is the graveyard and the ideas that people take to their own graves. Mm. You know, humanity could benefit from those. So life's too short not to do it. That's why I do this project. I love it. I love it heaps. Like it's been obviously been a while since I have done it, but it's um like the world needs more creative. So, sir, so I say kudos to you for backing yourself and trying to you know make your art available for the world to see because I think yeah the world could benefit from some amazing projects that you've got going on. So kudos to you, sir. Oh, thank you very much. And kudos to you for the podcast. Like the passion rings through, I'll be honest with you. Even though we're, um, we've never met before, um, I'm feeling the love and I'm definitely feeling the, the, the passion. I've heard, I've been listening before, but being the other side of the microphone with you now, I'm, I'm feeling it. It's great. No, oh, I appreciate that, sir. Um, so going forward, you know, we, we're asking for the public's help. So we need, to try and get some funding for this uh, this project. So we want to get the Turk off the ground. I'll post the links in the bio, but how can people get involved or how can people try to help you live live your dream, essentially, and back you? Um, the, the, the most straightforward way, I mean, is um, obviously prayers goes a long way with me. Uh, flattery obviously is going to can help me uh, continue on this momentum I've got. Um, but in a, in a more solid and tangible way, there's a, I've set up an Indiegogo um, crowdfunding campaign and it's got uh, various tiers of uh, involvement. I mean, I, I've even named a few of them uh, after films. I mean, this is called The Turks, so the lowest or one of the lowest um, tiers is called The Room. And it goes up in ascending order. I mean, you've got The Shining in there, you've got The Terminator, um, not necessarily in order of how great they are. But I felt what suited what perk I'm going to be doing. And the highest perk is The Godfather, where you get to be an executive uh, producer. Um, in there, I've got signed scripts. I've got uh, digital copies. I've even just had the uh, the movie, the official movie poster made, which is a, a thing of beauty. I mean, I was really impressed with it. Um, uh, yeah, so you can log on to there, make a, make a quick um, account, and you can donate as much as you want. You don't have to get perks. You can just donate without any perks. Uh, if that's what you want. I mean, even sharing and raising awareness um, really helps. I mean, I've been trying to do as much of my own self-advertising off the ground and um, myself. 
um, <laughs> effectively or not, or if it's been any good, it's um, time will tell. Because um, I can, I can, um, I can create a project. Selling it myself is something that's new to me, so I think I'll need help with that. So if you think I need any improvement on my pitches, or if uh, my God, listen, <laughs> you need to start again on a few little things here. Send any kind of help my way, and I'll appreciate it massively. Um, also, you can get your name in the um, in the uh, credits. You can be an extra if you're in the UK. You can get IMDb credits as well. All you have to do is um, drop a few quid in, and uh, yeah, we'll uh, we'll see you right. And I think the main part of it is that it's it's nice to get people involved in the project. It's nice to it's not just me who's making it. Anybody helps in any way is making it with me. We're going to want to be part of something that's um, it's special. I mean, I want I am. I can't wait for people to see it. I'm going to make it one way or another. And I would be so excited for people to be involved with me as I'm making it. Um, and then once it's once the pilot's made and I'm happy with it, if it involves more of it from a short film, then we're going to return it into a TV show, which then if you're on the ground floor of, then you can, I were involved in that. Or I'm actually helping in this. And then we're all, um, we're all on as way, making something special. Well, that's cool. I definitely want an IMDb. Uh, credit, you know, extra <laughs> podcaster head for radio. How good! Um, but yeah, like, so I will. I'll put that out to everyone as, out there as well. Like, so when this episode goes to air, when I post it, like, I'll be posting all the socials and I'll put down your email address and your personal socials as well. So if anyone out there has any feedback for James, you'd be free to contact him. Mm. Um, but yeah, so it sounds like it's all happening pretty quickly. Um, so it based on you know the funding will affect how it all goes, but production wise, timeline wise, when are you hoping to sort of start everything off or, or whatever? Um, do you have a well, do you have a timeline set or? Yeah, I mean, well, um, originally we were going to start shooting um, in a couple of weeks, but we decided to push that back to uh, I'll push that push that forward. I should say to um, middle of September is when we're going to be starting shooting. We're pretty much um, nailed every single uh, actor down. I've got all my um, award-winning production crew. I want to give a shout-out to um, uh, Velton who's, uh, Lischke, who's an um, award-winning director and producer with his award-winning crew. Uh, real talented. They're, um, they're coming on board, and he's going to co-direct it with me because I'd love to go in and just go, right, I'm the director, but I've got no right to start ordering about his production crew without really knowing much of what I'm doing. So I'll go, Bellin, come on board. We'll, we'll direct it together. Um, um, we're, yeah, we're all set for um, for September. So it literally is just down to uh, funding. And we're all ready to go. Sweet. Well, that sounds like everything's happening between now and then. What else have you got going on? Are you keeping busy in other ways as well? Still, well, they yeah. might say, working as a bright spark. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I mean, to be honest, I mean, I've, um, for, as an electrician, I've landed pretty much a, a dream job because it allows me um, a lot of freedom whilst I'm doing uh, my paperwork and while I'm traveling to, um, to, to, to use my mind. Um, okay, so this is what I'm going to be doing next. And because I'm essentially working two, well, three full-time jobs, being an electrician, being a, a filmmaker, and as a, a husband and a parent. So um, the fact that the job is as an electrician, the well, first time for me is enjoyable. Is 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 uh, great. It's, it's 
you're on about earlier about people not enjoying their lives. Um, but I think being learning to become authentic um, and kind of genuine has really helped me kind of live more in the moment, which is kind of helping me push forward and doing what I'm doing. Um, my kids keep me busy. I mean, as soon as I come home, that's it. I've got my, uh, my little um, Jack Russell, my cat, my two kittens, my youngest daughter, and then um, my, my two eldest, all of them are good. Oh, that's so well. My son's um, 17, so he's he's kind of chill. All right, Dad. Yeah, no, not so bad. <laughs> and it, it's, it's basically like that. I may, um, they keep, yeah, my kids definitely keep me busy. I, um, I'm starting to do a lot of digital art now, which I'm selling. Um, essentially to help make my film not NFTs uh, one uh, I think it's immoral and two I don't even know what they are so that's my stance on them yeah I've um, never played the crypto game you know there could be Mitch coin out there for all I know I've got no idea <laughs> that's what you should pitch oh Mitch coin <laughs> oh yeah like my own currency it'd be like the coins wouldn't be big enough because they couldn't get my head on there it'd be ridiculous <laughs> I'd like to see that. What would be the flip side? Because obviously you've got your head as a sovereign state of Bitcoin. <laughs> what would be the other side? Um, maybe a microphone or something like that. Yeah. Now these sound like um, what you get in arcades for some change of real money. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, hi, Mitch. Yeah, your money's as real as Monopoly money. You fat-headed idiot. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? People keep talking to me like that. I will be going straight to jail. <laughs> <laughs> right, and Very close. There's a creator of Mitch coin. Oh, far out. <laughs> Mitchy's pitchy. So get this right. My head on a coin. Get the fuck out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to my TED talk. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to my Mitch talk. <laughs> uh, I've always wanted to do a podcast myself. I was... Um, my friends are too shy. I want to I need to get them drunk in order to get them kind of loquacious enough to be loose as I know them. But as soon as I mention anything like this, boom, stiffen right up. So now, it would be a case of, yeah. Now that you've sort of delved, dabbled into it a little bit yourself, you can just show on this audio when it's recorded and go, you know what? It's not that bad. It's a, a lot of people say this podcast is equivalent to listening to mates uh, drink at the pub. So yeah, well, that's, yeah, that's exactly why I've done this because. I just I, I love talking to people and maybe that your mates will see this and think oh yeah that doesn't seem so bad and a lot of my friends were annoyed at the start because I kept asking them to come on and I find that a lot of people out there just want to tell stories um there's actually a site I've begun with called matchmaker.fm and it sounds like a love site I know but what it actually oh. is it's kind of like LinkedIn for podcasters so you can actually search for a guest or search for a show to go on right no that sounds good it's really easy so if you ever do get off the ground um hit that up and um but i'll if you do ever get off the ground i'll happily come on your show no worries well that'd be great that's um all right we're gonna have it free form like smart cast oh, um yeah good like our, yeah i mean that's um my wife got me into a podcast which i first uh, started listening to the ricky gervais show but oh this is perfect for me and then um, i started flicking around i go I wonder if Kev Smith's got one. And then like, really early one. I think the first one I ever listened to was uh, Lanny McDonald in like the, the uh, 100 and something. And I thought, that's it. I'm fucking in love. This is perfect. Because I've always loved uh, Kev Smith films. And then 
that went even further with the, the podcast. I mean, uh, even through listening to him, uh, I knew that he was uh, touring Red State, so I managed to get tickets to see uh, Red State in Manchester. Uh, uh, and that was... Um, that was great because basically he was sat just like one or a couple rows as we were watching uh, Red State and uh, in between him introducing it and uh, the Q&As was kind of having a little bit of a chat and banter. Try not to fanboy. No one wants that. You've, as you've, much as, you've met him. Yeah. Oh, my, I want to meet him. He doesn't come to Australia, unfortunately. No, not so much. I mean, I, I got to see um, uh, Hollywood Babylon in London as well and Jane Silent Bob Get Old and they, they played the uh, groovy movie there as well. So that were... Um, that was a religious experience. Nice. So at least that, that was fantastic. I'm a I'm a regular um, I'm a regular listener listener to Fat Man Beyond with him and Mark Bernardin. Oh yeah, I love the early ones of uh, Fat Man on Batman when um, they basically get the creators on, mostly of the animated show and then of the um, of the comics. Yeah, I mean that's that's why obviously uh, in its latest iteration, it's it's still great. But yeah, I'm an OG uh, Fat Man on Batman. Especially when he was sat reading comics himself, just kind of in that wonderful masturbatory sense that he does. When the thought that's what I'm going to have to start doing is going to have drunk story time. No, it's kind of like <laughs> kind of like he's wake and bake. He just wakes up, yeah. buys up a joint, and he just talks, 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 <laughs> which he loves. What does he say? I love his joke. The person who loves the sound of Kevin Smith's voice the most is Kevin Smith. I yeah. use that. I use that one a fair bit, except change it to Mitch <laughs> Kelly. But now I he's. Oh, yeah, I, I, a lot of people ask, like, who's your idol? I'm like, well, it's him because he's self-made. Like, he started, obviously, in film, and he's done a lot of, like, he does comics, and he was an exec producer for a few Netflix shows. He's directed TV shows, like, and he's just, he makes it his own brand, and I think there's a thing to respect there, and, like, I would love to have a talk with Kev. Obviously, it'll probably yeah. never happen, but that's a dream of mine that, I've already spoken to the guys from Scrubs, like Turk and JD. It's my favorite show. Oh, yeah. Donald Faison and uh, Zach Braff, of course. But yeah. if I got to speak to him or Mark, uh, that'd be that'd make my day, um, make my make my decade. So, whatever gets out there, if if I manage to become on their um, on their radar in any way, because I love uh, telling Steve there as well. Um, if I ever get on their radar, then I'll, I'll do everything in my power, Mitch, to get you in that room. Oh, to go. This is yeah. This is my friend Mitch, and then we have a small. It, it, I, I'm imagining it now as me and you uh, make a wish, kids. <laughs> <laughs> We're not there on merit. <laughs> We're there on pay, but it, you know what? I'd take that. Well, the only move I have to pick up a lady these days is the I'll make her feel sorry for me gag. <laughs> <laughs> you'll feel better about yourself you oh. know because you'll feel bad about me <laughs> <laughs> well if we ever get to that that stage and i would love that um yeah but yeah if, if yeah if that happens sweet so if people do want to get in contact with you or they want to get involved with your project help potentially fund the movie where can they find you and and or where do you how can they get you on the socials um, well, I'm on uh, Twitter. Uh, I, I've got the um, the at Turk shot, and I think it's the same uh, and on Instagram. And I'm uh, James Whetstone or at Sky Rebel Press. That's when I'm going to be uh, my own independent comics. And I decided just to keep that tag. 
keep that handle and then just become a filmmaker instead. Um, yeah, to be honest, before a filmmaker, I probably would have been um, a writer um, for uh, graphic novels or comics. Um, so, uh, and uh, yeah, I can say on Facebook is just James Whetstone. Um, yeah, and I think I'm on Instagram as uh, James Whetstone as well. Um, yeah, I, I can't remember the tags I've made. I mean, I just, just flick between... Um, Flick between accounts, not really paying attention to exactly what they are. Oh, good. Uh, yeah, I'll, um, I'll post the link, I'll post the correct spelling in the bio as well. So, oh, spot on. I appreciate that, mate. Saving me a job of having to try and remember what they are. <laughs> That's all right. So, um, you know, going forward, is there like if you had to sort of someone said to you, if you could honestly speak to people and say, you know, what it is that you are doing what you're doing, what would you say to those people? You know, honest assessment. Why are you putting yourself in the entertainment industry and putting your art out there? What is it that you're trying to achieve? Well, in all honesty, at first, I think it was, and not many people are going to answer like this, but at first it was revenge to show people. I mean, they, those people know what they did, Mitch. But no, in all honesty, it would, um, I wanted to show that I was more than, in real selfish terms, Want to show me that was more than um, my job title of electrician, or more than um, you know, dad of three, husband, just doing a nine to five. I want to always felt like I had more, so I wanted to show more, and it was the case to show people. See, I had potential. I know you thought, you know, oh, what happened to James? So I ended up not really doing much of what he said he was going to do, and it got to a point where I thought, no, I'm going to do it regardless of how it turns out, because if I put my heart into it, then at least it will be mine. Uh, once I got started, I, um, not to sound like a serial killer, but um, once they get started, you can't really stop until you feel like it's time to stop. Um, I mean, it's like a serial killers either get caught or they usually get caught when they've gone, right, I've, uh, I've uh, I finally got enough of a body count or I've finally done enough to not get caught. It feels that kind of urge as a creative, but I want to entertain people and enlighten people as much as possible and not really hurt anybody. So I don't think there's much difference between creatives and serial killers. Um, and I'm going to stand by that analogy, even though it started to get away from me. Uh, in as much as there's an, a drive that you can't really, um, really distill. And all you can do is do the thing you want to do and um, put it out there into the world and hopefully people will enjoy it. And then you just move on to the next thing you want to do. It's, it's, it's a, uh, it's an insatiable um, and unquenchable thirst. And I can't put it into words other than it's doing what you love and being authentic is probably one of the most important things you can do. And um, the, the people have a lot of fear of, oh, how do I get into it? Well, I had no idea. I had no idea other than doing. I literally just thought I'm going to manifest this thing and create it. And then I'm responsible for it and I have no choice but to make it. Um, I think Quentin Tarantino said he didn't go to film school. He went to film. He just started his thing, kept knocking on the door until he kind of broke through. And um, I'm not too concerned about the results of it. I'm more concerned about um, it being as close to a pure thing as I can make. I think that's um, I mean, yeah, the best advice I can I can give is um, just just start, just start. Even if it's a blank page, just just start. And if you are um, talented, that's great, but it doesn't mean anything unless you're resilient. Resilient means, being resilient means everything. There are far, there's going to be far better writers, directors, creatives, actors, um, 
artists than you, but without that kind of resilience to um, to go up like a stand-up comedian, have a bad set and go, okay, so I'm going to get back up on stage. Where did I go wrong? I think that's the best kind of aesthetic is of that resilience to go, I'm not giving in. I'm going to keep going until this is made, until I'm happy with it. And once that's done, it's created, it's done. No one can ever take that away from you. That means more than um, being famous, being established, being published, being successful. Because they can never take that away from you. That's um, it's similar to what Mark Bernardin says. He's got a quote. He's got some shirts made up too. He said, be humble, but let motherfuckers know. So, you know, be kind, but let people know where you come from. And those words radiated with me. And just talking about the idea of being a serial killer, I've been known to be a serial killer in my day. You should see me go to town on a box of cornflakes. My God, that cereal does not stand a chance. <laughs> Little uh, Brian and his teeth looking at the box. <laughs> should uh, I just can't stop it? Oh, <laughs> uh, far out! I'm but so that's sorry. when you're most happiest. You see. When you, 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 you're killing that cereal, I mean, I imagine you're going dry. Oh, have you heard a little song I, I sing to some of the guys on Twill? <laughs> no, so, I haven't. You better that. watch out. You better not cry. A little old Mitchie's going in dry. And then, boom, <laughs> hand straight into the cornflakes box. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, oh, before we go, I just want to ask you quickly, how did you get involved in Twill? How does a UK gentleman like yourself find... I reckon Australia's funniest banter NRL page. How does that work? Well, big, um, big rugby league fan. Um, since, since what birth? I mean, I, um, probably even beyond then. Um, and um, love podcasts. So it literally just became a search of okay, so rugby league podcasts, and um, there was something about Twill that stood out. And again, the same with uh, Smodcast within seconds. I mean, uh, there's a lot of rivalry between um, Poms and Aussies, especially when it comes to sport, especially when it comes to rugby league. When, I mean, Poms have got a hell of a uh, chip on our shoulders when it comes to, because it's been a long time, a long, long time. And people have now just gone given up. But uh, and they, um, they don't really fully uh, understand the culture or they don't really get into it. I mean, it takes, I think, a special kind of person to... Um, to be able to cross that divide of well, these guys are slamming us uh, every single time they can, but it's so funny. I mean, those guys, it's, it's gold, absolute gold. I mean, um, I mean, I came in just before Tiger and Tigers in decline. I came in just as the, the peak of West Tigers. I mean, uh, when uh, Lloyd dropped that ball and um, Chris Anu put it down, I were there just for that. And then the following season, it was the, the Tigers in decline, and that was it. I was hooked. And um, yeah, I mean, uh, <laughs> I'm, uh, yeah, oh God. I mean, I am a West Tigers fan as well. Uh, Leeds oh, Rhinos, obviously, the first guy who ended up in their academy, but as an NRLT, I mean, I, um, I'm, a, I'm an underdog guy, you see. Big under, underdog guy. I, um, I, I flirted with a few teams because, you know, my hometown team were my team. And so I have an Australian team. A little bit felt a bit disingenuous. So if I'm going to see what I connect with, and then I ended up going right. Okay, I put it to the boys. Put a um, I put it to a little um, vote for who, which team you think I should um, should, should support. Um, the Broncos were going up a little bit, but nearly everybody voted for the Tigers. I went, well, thanks guys. Cheers for that. 
But now I'm a staunch, um, I'll grunk my little heart out. Um, uh, Sheenus, don't worry, he's got it. I was a big, big Potter fan back in the day, or Mitch Potter, as I call him. And um, and so I'm finally now <laughs> feeling what Glenn and every uh, poor Tigers fan on the podcast has ever felt. I mean, it's bad enough supporting the team. It's bad enough being the Mimi's team. I mean, I don't know what journals or the NRL would do about the West Tigers. Um, but um, they're, they're, they're little Aussie battlers and they're probably going to win the spoon this year and they probably deserve to. But I can't imagine supporting any other team. Um, actually, when I was younger, because uh, I liked uh, E.T., who played for Leeds and then he went to Cronulla. I, I, I liked, um, you know, I liked the look of Cronulla, loved the shirt and everything. And um, so they were they were on the list. But then um, that would it, it were the merge. <laughs> it was the uh, the Tig Pies, the Forever Niners. Yeah, they're my team. Fair enough. To all those West Tiger fans out there, feel sorry for you, except you, Glenny. Keep going, champ. You'll be right. <laughs> um, as if he'll listen to this. He's too proud. <laughs> but anyways, um, yeah, so I'll post all the socials and links to for the movie and stuff. But I thank you for your time today, sir. Um, we've been uh, talking about this for a while. I'm sorry it's taken me a few weeks to finally pull my finger out. But, yeah, I just wanted to say thanks for coming on. And if you're out there listening, um, you know that I love – talking to artists and creatives and whatever and you know if you can help out that'd be appreciated if not i'll put a post up if you hit that share button that'd be that'd be more than enough as well so i just want to say thanks for coming on again james and um keep on keeping on keep creating and uh i'm sure we'll be in contact soon yeah that's my pleasure and uh as always guys if you want to enjoy the show even more leave a review i don't do patreon because this is all free and if you didn't like this episode, I completely understand. You can have a refund. Not a problem at all. So um, hope everyone's well. Stay safe. Happy storytelling. And I'll see you on the next one. Bye for now.